Hey, Helicopter Podcast listeners, this is John Gray from the Hangar Z Podcast. I want to let you all know Vertical Fowler's Spring 2024 issue is now available. In our Spring 2024 issue, we head over to Leon County for a look at how law enforcement agencies in Northern Florida are combining forces to enhance crime fighting. We also visit Metro Aviation in Shreveport, Louisiana to learn about the work behind installing a Metro interior in an Airbus helicopter. We connect with the experts in the search and rescue sector for an update on the latest trends, training, and tools using helicopter rescue missions. And finally, we catch up with the Los Angeles Police Department's Aviation Unit for a look at its training programs. All this, plus highlights of some new products and services that made their debuts at Heli Expo 2024. To check out the latest issue of Vertical Valor, go to verticalvalor.com and scroll to the bottom of the page to find magazines. Enjoy. What is up, guys? It is Halsey Schreider with the Helicopter Podcast, and we got a good one today. I always say it, uh, but today is is very interesting because we've never had, um, we've never talked about this on the Helicopter Podcast before, and I think there's maybe even like a little bit of misunderstanding of of this new technology that's coming uh, kind of forefront into the helicopter industry right now, and as pilots, it feels a little bit uncomfortable and a little bit weird. Um, but I think today's guest, Hector Zhu, is going to be able to kind of uh, better explain where the industry is moving in regards to, uh, you know, uh, autonomous flying and things like that. So uh, very excited to have this conversation today. Again, completely different from, from people that we've talked with in the past. And I think that's the beauty of having this platform. I get to talk to really interesting people. In this case, people that are way smarter than me, uh, which is cool because then I get to you know learn and gain knowledge. So I'm I'm excited about that. Before we talk to Hector, though, just a quick thank you to the viewers and the listeners. You guys make this all possible, and of course, our partnership with MHM Publishing over at the Vertical Helicasts, uh, who this podcast is brought to you by. So big shout out to Vertical Helicasts. If you haven't checked it out, please do. And a big thanks to our sponsors at Bell Helicopter and Celicopter. So got that out of the way. Hector, welcome to the Helicopter Podcast. How are you? I'm great. Uh, really excited to be here, Halsey. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about this one. This is, uh, I, I get very excited to talk to anyone, really. In, in some of my podcasts, I talk to people that I already know. Sometimes it's pilots that I don't know. And in this case, it's this is kind of a twofold because I don't necessarily know you all that well. We had talked just you know briefly a couple of weeks ago, uh, and I'm I'm just kind of not even near the level of fully understanding what you guys do at Rotor. Uh, and so I'm I'm just for me, it's like man, I get to live this podcast. I'm like the first listener, right? I get to I get to be educated on uh, the the things that you guys are doing at Rotor. So. I'm not going to even try to explain what you guys are doing. Uh, I'm going to give you this platform to kind of talk about that, and we'll see where the conversation goes. Right. Uh, absolutely. 
Yeah, uh, I, I would say uh, we should start off by taking uh, taking Rotor and what we do off the pedestal. Um, uh, I think um, I, it's not nearly as uh, complicated um, uh, as you might imagine. I think you know what we're doing is important, and it's an important next step for the industry. Um, but yeah, I, I really want people, uh, yeah, not to feel mystified. Uh, even if they do coming in, hopefully they won't they won't uh, coming out. Um, so. Um, I, I guess, you know, the core kind of rotor uh, and my mission, um, is about using autonomy and automation, um, to make vertical flight, um, a safer, better, uh, industry, right? Um, I love helicopters. Um, I love aerospace. Um, and, um, what we're doing with autonomy is that we're starting in hazardous missions, kind of a subset, um, of the use cases. Um, which I think has seen kind of less attention from the technology world. Um, so, you know, and these are the places where we still see pilot fatalities, um, certainly compared to, you know, how safe commercial aviation is, right? Um, uh, you know, aerial work hasn't achieved that safety level. And I think um, technology can really help us get there. Um, and I think in the future, um, you hear a lot of talk today about, um, EV tolls and um, hydrogen aircraft and and these all these, these you know um, I mean those are the things I find kind of sometimes mystical with the technology but and I, and I think sometimes people talk about them as if helicopters can't do most of those things already right um, and yeah I think um, you know autonomy is the way that the helicopter industry uh, should almost fight back you know uh, or, or, or certainly um, show that it can be part of the future. Um, and I think um, certainly uh, my message and what we do at Rotor has found increasing re resonance um, with a helicopter industry that, that believes it should be part of the future. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. If you, if you think about helicopter aviation as a whole, uh, very little has changed, right? Um, and some, some aircraft, uh, in fact, I'm selling an aircraft right now. I think it's a 1967 Jet Ranger. You know, you were talking about an aircraft that's 21 years older than I am. Uh, and God bless her. She's oh. still out there flying utility, 20,000 plus hours. Um, but, you know, by and large, what's kind of changed technology-wise with helicopters is avionics. You know, we've had some tremendous avionic upgrades in the past uh, and recently, glass cockpits, uh, I'm a huge fan of like a stability augmentation system on the helicopter side. I remember I was going into air medical and I was kind of thinking to myself like, man, I, this helicopter has this, you know, two axis SAS platform. Why do I need that? You know, I, I enjoy flying. Yeah. Like what, I don't need this autopilot. Uh, and you know, very soon I learned that I very much enjoyed, you know, pretty much having the SAS engaged at all times. Um, it, it reduced pilot workload. It allowed me to focus a little bit more on the mission at hand. A lot of air medical is, you know, you don't know where you're going. And then all of a sudden they're telling you fly to these coordinates. So you're working, you know, the GPS, you're working radios, you're communicating with your crew. So having like a little bit of a co-pilot in the form of this SAS was, was really nice. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to kind of dive into what you guys are doing at Rotor, Rotor 
Uh, I watched a video the other day that you guys had posted uh, that you had actually sent to me. So thank you for doing that. And it was pretty wild. It's a, if for our listeners out there, uh, if it's all right with Hector, we can put the link to the video uh, in, in the bio of this podcast. And it's, it's essentially showing the platform that they've created using the R22 in this case, flying unmanned. Uh, you're, you're watching the video and, and you're seeing this helicopter fly and it's like, it's, it's kind of wild because there's nobody in the cockpit. So Hector, how do you go from R22 flying without anyone in the cockpit? I mean, where does this all start? Uh, was this some crazy dream concocted, you know, during your time at college, what even gives you this idea that something like this would be possible? Because it just, it it's it's a pretty, I, I understand not to put it too big on the pedestal, but it's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. Uh, so I have to admit, um, I'm only a student pilot. Um, I actually, um, still haven't, uh, got my, uh, private pilot, uh, rating, um, so, you know, shameful, shameful admission. Um, <laughs> let's get that out of the way. Shame. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, and, uh, and my journey to like being a student pilot, um, was what started all of this. You know, I was in grad school at the time. Um, I did, you know, a bunch of, uh, other cool things. Um, uh, so I was at grad school at MIT in Boston. Um, and you know, I had the, um, fortune of, you know, working with really smart people on cool, you know, 50 year vision stuff, you know, like. Uh, ion propulsion and, um, you know, electrifying commercial aviation, hydrogen propulsion, stuff like that. Um, but, you know, I, I also felt like, you know, I, uh, I didn't, I, I didn't get to fly. I didn't get to be closer to the, to the, the real aviation, to the real industry. And so, you know, my, um, my response to that was, yeah, you know, I better let me learn to fly helicopters. And this was during COVID. Um, and I think I kind of had two kind of, extreme reactions. Uh, one, which was like how much I loved it and how much I loved aviation and the people, um, in the industry and how capable these things could be. Right. You know, I, I, I'd seen, I'd seen at the time, uh, Joby and Beta and, and their vehicles fly. And, you know, I, I don't think they can do a lot more than a Robinson R44, um, uh, in many, in many respects. Um, and the, but the other piece was, um, Kind of, I was just shocked by how little technology was on board these systems, right? And I think uh, you're right in that, you know, in the EMS helicopter. Uh, I don't know if you were using MVGs, whether, you know, you, you, know, you said you had a two axis SAS. Um, you know, uh, they have more axes now, right? And, um, but, you know, it's only recently that the Robinson R44, for example, has had a SAS system, uh, which, by the way, has been extremely, extremely successful. Um, you know, I think last I heard about half of them from the factory with that now um yeah i mean i think i think sas by and large um on the on the robinson platform most people that are buying new robinson 44 or 66 why not have the sas you know it's like i said it's kind of like your second pilot it's like your second in command uh and it's nice you know especially like on a long cross country you still have to have your hand there of course but you can kind of relax your hand a little bit. You're not having to apply all that pressure. Uh, and I think for private owners, which 
make up a large majority of Robinson helicopter uh, pilots. Uh, I think that used correctly, that the SASC uh, actually adds a layer of safety for these guys if they end up in the clouds by accident, uh, if their workload and their saturation gets a little bit too uh, yeah. too much for kind of their current ability. Uh, again, you have kind of this assistance. So I think it's a, a safety layer as well. It could be a detriment as well to safety if not used correctly and if you don't fully understand uh, some of the system. But I think by and large, as long as the pilot's educated with it, I think it's a great tool. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I want to come back to that um, you know, later about, you know, technology and um, its potential to actually remove safety, you know, to make things less less safe or, or, or less usable. But, you know, uh, let, uh, I'll just, you know, finish very quickly kind of the story, which is, um, uh, you know, for me, the, the other side of things was that I was flying these kind of small, uh, light aircraft that didn't have much technology on them, um, which I think really limited kind of their, their potential. Um, like I, I had actually a pretty harrowing uh, specific experience. I think maybe in every pilot's life, you know, you get to like have a couple of these like close call uh, incidents um, uh, that probably kind of change your perspective. Uh, for me, you know, I had it very early on uh, in my kind of piloting experience. Uh, where, you know, I was in my CFI and we'd go, um, uh, you know, trying to get some cross-country hours in. We'd go fly around the, the little airports um, around New Hampshire. Uh, and I think we'd gone for a late lunch or something. And for, 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 for some reason, you know, we were there a bit later than we planned um, out of this small um, airport in, in Bristol, New Hampshire. Um, and coming out, uh, it got dark on us. Right. Um, it was fine. It was, uh, you know, night VFR conditions. Um, and, you know, we we're taking off, uh, you know, you're close to the ground. You've got all the, you've got the landing lights you can see. And then, you know, um, you get off the ground and suddenly it's pitched up. Right. And there's mountains all around. Um, and uh, yeah, we had a good 30 seconds of extremely sweaty palms, you know, and, and this is, this is a, you know, he's, he's actually now our chief pilot at Rota. Um, this is a, is kind of a six foot two Brazilian guy. Nothing, nothing, you know, he'd flown thousands of hours doing mining operations down in Brazil. You know, nothing gets to him. But, you know, the, I think, um, I don't know if any of you guys have watched the 56 seconds to live video. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like the same kind of experience. You get the sweaty palms watching that, right? And you're in the Robinson cockpit. There's nothing there. There's, there's no synthetic vision system. There's no nothing. Um, yeah, we were, I think yeah, we got home. Um, uh, but I think it wasn't lost on me or, um, or Joel, you know, my um, CFI kind of how close we were to, to have, having things go, go a lot worse. Um, and, um, I'm not going to say, you know, that was a eureka moment where I decided to start a company. You know, I think, you know, I, I, I've been wanting to build technology to, to, to make helicopters safer, more capable, um, uh, you know, for a while. Um, but I think that was kind of a real turning point to say, Hey, kind of, um, change probably is needed if we want, if we want, um, these tools that we know and love, um, to be relevant in the future, to, to reach the safety standards and the usability standards, um, that are needed for, um, not just for me, but for my mother to use this in her daily life. Right. Um, and that, that's one of the things that 
like really excites me about what we do at Rota is that I think kind of both the safety and the uh, kind of scalability component of autonomy and automation um, have the potential to turn helicopters, which are today, um, I think for most people, either a VIP and luxury item, um, luxury tool, um, or kind of an industrial tool to something that's kind of part of everyone's lives. Um, it's, it's in some senses the same kind of long-term vision as the folks that are developing EV tolls, right? But, you know, perhaps yeah, it's just a difference in approach where right? I, I believe that helicopters plus autonomy um, is the way to get to that future, um, at least in, in, in the next five to 10 years where battery technology, you know, is, is unlikely to meet the needs of commercial operation. Yeah, I mean, I, I had the pleasure of uh, visiting Vermont last year uh, and checked out Beta Air. Uh, yeah. They're they doing pretty cool stuff with the eVTOL. And I flew the simulator, and it was a pretty cool experience because it, you know, it was fly-by-wire, I think is probably the right terminology to use. You yep. make the input, and the computer tells you if that's good or bad and then makes it better, essentially. And and so, I mean, it was very simple to fly. You know, I I... I told my wife when I got home about the experience and my wife's not a helicopter pilot, not an airplane pilot. She's ridden in helicopters many times, but she's never flown a helicopter. And I, my, my comment to her was that, you know, I feel like you could have probably flown this thing. You know, it was pretty, pretty simple cockpit, pretty simple, um, you know, uh, control system. So that, that is kind of a neat, a neat deal. So when did you start the company then? Was this uh, in the 2020 time, time frame? Because it's, you know, I guess what I'm saying is it seems like you've made it quite far already uh, in just, you know, three short years. Yeah. Um, we actually started the company um, midway through 2021. Um, and um, that's when I, that's when I quit my research job um, as a scientist and decided, you know, uh, to work on this. Um, you know, I think one of the reasons we have, I think, you know, two comments, one, um, it probably feels like we've moved very fast because, you know, um, this is the first time you're hearing about us. You know, I think, um, uh, I think one of the things I feel is important is to, you know, do things first and then talk about it later. Uh, right. Which is, I think a, a rarer and rarer kind of approach for companies in our space. Um, and, and the second is that I think I have the fortune of working with some really fantastic people, um, who are passionate about the same things. Um, as I was, and, you know, we now, there are now about 40 of us, um, who, who work, uh, you know, um, out of our hangar, uh, in, in New Hampshire, uh, trying to, trying to make this stuff a reality. That's pretty cool. I, um, you know, away from everything about it, something that I'm passionate about is entrepreneurialism and people going out and, and doing things and, and taking risks, um, risks of, you know, leaving a, a good job to, you know, start your own thing. You know, I think that's pretty cool. And I think that's what moves the world forward, right? Especially in the tech space. I mean, you, you hear about a lot of these, these guys and gals that had good paying tech jobs, but, you know, had, had kind of a, a bright idea and they decided to take, you know, a bit of a leap of faith in themselves to create something. So I think it's really right. neat. Have you, have you always had like a entrepreneurial drive? Is this something that's kind of awakened recently or is it something that's always kind of been in your DNA? Um, so uh, 
I think actually not, not really. Um, <laughs> I was, um, I was a scientist before this, you know, I was excited by, you know, what I was doing in the academic world. Um, I think, yeah, I'm actually, I think I'm a bit different from a lot of the other, you know, I, I think you know, inverted commas founders out there in that, um, I started the company, you know, I started the company because I, I cared about what we were doing. I wanted to get the thing done. You know, if I, if I, um, if I thought anyone else was going to be able to do the same thing, I would go join their company, you know, or, or, or do something with them. And I think, um, you know, Roto only exists because, um, there aren't really any others doing, doing things the way we're doing it. Um, yeah. And I, I think, you know, there's a, there ends up being a lot of focus for, for one reason or another about, um, with the startup world, you know, it's become kind of this like cultural phenomenon, you know, like pitch decks and fundraising and, you know, and, and I think, um, uh, I think that's not, I, I actually don't think that's, I think that's a lot of, there's a lot of noise there. I think the really important things, the people who really actually care about what they're doing, that actually have a mission, like, you know, making cars electric or, or sending rockets to space or whatever, actually, the funding is actually a very secondary piece. The startup stuff, the company is a very secondary piece. Um, and it's all about getting the thing flying or getting the thing uh, produced or you know, the, the, the actual mission. And I think um, to, to bring it back to the specific thing that we're doing, like I, I think it's actually really important to take pilots out of aircraft. Um, I mean, there are others who, who think there's, you know, approaches to autonomy that should keep pilots kind of physically in the vehicles. Um, but I kind of, my conviction is that the better world is where we still have pilots, but they don't need to sit in the vehicles anymore. Right. And I think, yeah, the thing that, you know, I think is important. We'll talk, I think we, you know, we should, um, kind of talk about this a bit more is that, well, what is the role of pilots? You know, I think there's a future for pilots. I think we'll need more pilots than we have today. Um, I just don't think they should be sitting in this noisy, vibrating environment um, if we have the technology to have them be effective um, elsewhere. And I think it somewhat conflicts with this um, recreational pilot, idea of a recreational pilot, which you know dominates the light aircraft in the GA world, which is like people do it because they enjoy it. Right. They because they like being up in the air, because they like the process of checking their gauges and doing everything in a in a manual way. Um, but I think there should be a place for for professional pilots who whose main focus is getting the mission done safely, um, whether they get the good scenery or not. Right. And uh, I think that that's kind of my starting point. Um, uh, for, yeah, so for all I, of this. yeah, no, I do want to touch on that and talk about, you know, what I think is a little bit of an elephant in the room, but first we're just going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors over at Bell. Bell is proud to sponsor Vertical Helicasts and their vision to hold meaningful mission, safety, and best practice conversations in the helicopter industry. The lessons learned from these conversations will undoubtedly shape the future of both new and veteran helicopter operators. All right, coming back in. So I, I want to talk about the pilot thing, uh, but first I do want to backtrack just a little bit because I appreciate one of the things that you said in regards to a startup and just kind of the what what I think the impression of what it takes to start a business versus really kind of probably the more reality of it. And I think that there's probably a lot of 
young men and women that want to start their business, but they almost maybe feel scared, like, oh, I got to go out and do all this fundraising and I have to do this and I have to do a series A and then a B and there's all these terminologies and EBITDA, like, you know, it's, it can get very confusing. And for me, I started a business and it was very simple uh, by design, right? I, I had an idea that I could maybe sell aircraft better than other people. Uh, and so I started a business and, you know, I haven't raised money. I haven't done anything. It's, you know, it's, I've scaled with my business with, with its cash flow and things like that. And so in my business, I think it's made sense to kind of keep it simple, but obviously on a business like this, this is, uh, takes, takes, um, it takes money, right. To be able to do what you're doing. And so I'm sure fundraising has had to be kind of part of your business story. Has it been hard to get people on board uh, of selling your dream? Um, I think what's been really great is that for us is that I think what we're doing makes sense to a lot of people. I think just very immediately, kind of the life-saving component of it. Um, which I think is only one of the pieces of the of the future, right? Like people find extremely compelling. Um, I think people are seeing um, how drones, right? Consumer drones have changed our lives. You know, I, I, I don't want to draw the comparison too much because the technology behind it is very different, but certainly to the layperson, I think um, it's, it's very intuitive and compelling, um, you know, that there should be, you know, changes that will happen in larger aircraft as well with the technology. Um, and I, th I think kind of finding resonance is the thing that has helped a lot with, with the business end um, and the fundraising um, as well. Um, I think the, the other piece is that I think the, um, we're shipping a product soon. You know, we, we're building something that um, was it was possible to build in three years with a bunch of, you know, with a bunch of very motivated people. Um, I think that really alleviates um, a lot of the, a lot of the burdens that, for example, a, a Joby or an Archer um, would have, right? In that if you need a billion dollars or even $5 billion in 10 years um, to build the thing that you want to build, um, then you've got to spend your whole time doing PR and fundraising. Um, whereas, if you only need a hundredth of that um, in a couple of years um, to at least build um, your first minimum viable product, um, I think that makes kind of life a lot easier. Um, yeah, absolutely. No, it makes sense. And, and it seems like it's, you know, I feel like if you are, if you are passionate about what you're doing and what you're selling, then it's not like you're selling anything, right? It's, it's like, you're just, sharing the excitement of what you're doing. And so I kind of get that sense when I think about you and, and your business. So now, now to kind of address the elephant in the helicopter podcast studio right now, I, I very much love flying helicopters. Um, I like the way it feels. I often tell people that flying a helicopter is almost like putting on a pair of pants. It kind of becomes an extension of one's body. And when you, when you get to a point in helicopters, you're always learning, you're always getting better, but there is a point where it's, this almost feels like 
you think it and the helicopter does it. And it's this really neat feeling. And I think that's one of the, the what drew me to helicopters versus say flying airplanes. I have some airplane experience in the past as well. And admittedly, it got a little boring because the airplane wants to fly. It kind of, it just is inherently stable and does its thing. Whereas this helicopter, you're, you're working with it to have this outcome and it's, it is making noise and your back's shaking and it's uncomfortable sometimes. It can even be scary at some points. But but still, I'm there and it's a visceral experience that I enjoy. How do you how do you get someone like me on board to support an aircraft that I look in and there's no pilot? There's no one there. What what do you say to guys like me and and probably the majority of my listeners that listen to this podcast? You know, I think that there's obviously some excitement. We're not, we're not dumb. We know where the industry is going, right? Technology is only advancing. But what do you say to us to kind of alleviate some of our fears or maybe even misconceptions of what companies like you are doing? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think maybe I use a, a little – I don't know. Do you ride motorbikes, housing? You know, I'm smart enough not to. Um, uh, yeah. I feel like I but, would – I feel like I might push the envelope a little too much. And I also get scared about other people, other cars and things like that. So yeah, I stay yeah, away from yeah. uh, motorcycles, not yeah, bikes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Um, this, yeah. I mean, this is evidence that I'm, I'm, I'm not smarter than you at all, which is, yeah, I did. Um, uh, certainly everyone in New Hampshire has a motorbike. So I, I ended up getting a motorbike. Um, and I kind of feel like there's a interesting analogy to be drawn that it's like, it's a fantastic experience, right? It's a fan. It's like, um, you know, even, even with the, in fact, the thrill maybe adds to it, right. To, to the experience of riding a motorbike. Totally. Um, uh, but I wouldn't commute to work on it. You know, I wouldn't use it as my daily ride. Uh, some, I know some people do, but you know, I don't think it's practical. I don't think it works on all weather. Uh, I don't think it's a good user experience beyond the thrill. Um, and I think, um, you know, you're right. What we're building at Rotor is not about the thrill. You know, it's not going to give more thrill to the people that, that ride motorbikes or fly helicopters for the thrill. Um, and I fly helicopters for the thrill. I ride motorbikes for the thrill. And I'm going to keep doing that, right? Uh, probably only on the weekends, uh, you know. Um, but um, I think what we're building at Rotor is is for the people that want to turn their, um, you know, to use their helicopter as a productive tool for industry, whether it's for crop dusting or construction or, or cargo transport. Um, in fact, having thrill in many of these missions, I think that certainly does not help um, you complete the mission more successfully. It does not help you build a, a more successful business, right? And I think... Um, one of the things that's that's maybe sometimes a bit confusing is that today the same thing that is at times used for um, commercial use cases is also a recreational um, tool, right? And and the two are blurred. Um, and I think um, perhaps when you separate out the two separate goals, it makes it clearer why. Um, uh, why we're doing what we're doing. I think actually you mentioned, um, uh, I can't remember whether we, before we started after we did, but uh, about Skyrise, you know, who are building, um, uh, who did just did an auto rotation 
um, with with their kind of autonomy kit. Um, and actually, I, I I love what they do. Like what they do, um, uh, kind of maybe uh, at first glance looks quite similar. You know, we we both talk about autonomy. We both talk about the future of aviation. Um, but I think their mission is all about making the recreational pilot safer. That if you don't, um, if you uh, if you're a private pilot, you know, it's hard to retain currency. It's hard to, um, well, it's hard to buy something less than $2 million that will fly in instrument conditions, right? Um, it's, it's fantastic if you can upgrade an R66, um, which is, I think, what they're doing, um, to have fly-by-wire, to have all of these functions um, so that it can be an even more enjoyable tool, uh, a more enjoyable, you know, um, recreational tool. Um, but I think what we're doing is, is the other side of it. You know, we're not building a recreational tool. We're not going to make the piloting more enjoyable, but we are going to make the piloting much more profitable, much more productive, um, and much better in the dimensions that matter for someone who's trying to run a business with a helicopter. Um, and I, I expect we should, we'll see this divergence. Actually, we're, we're seeing the divergence in cars, right? You can have robo-taxis, right, which, which drive themselves, take away the joy of driving, um, and, you know... Um, will be these like profit centers, right? For these new operators um, who'll have these fleets of autonomous taxis. Um, and we'll also have, you know, we'll still have people will still go to the track. There'll be people who want to drive themselves around and they'll have pro- probably, you know, collision avoidance tools. They'll have cruise control that will help them, you know, drive in a more relaxed way. Um, and, you know, both are really valuable for society. Um, and we're building kind of the first of those categories. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, it's um, again, I, you know, the technology. I think it happened. You know, for me, when again, as you said in earlier, you can't necessarily draw the comparison between drones and say what you're doing, but just seeing what drones are capable of doing and how how quickly they've become so advanced. I mean, I have a drone, and it was pretty inexpensive and you know i can ride my mountain bike and it will follow me and it will do cool shots and all these amazing things so for me i've always you know when when drones came out i've i kind of thought to myself like okay well this is we're going down a new interesting path of aviation as a whole because things are going to start changing and you know industries are always changing uh and i would probably say that you know fixed wing airplanes commercial aircraft have a lot of technology in them compared to say like the rotor wing side of the house. And there's obviously still a very much a need for, for airplane pilots. And so it makes sense. Uh, But it is, there's, I think that we're going to be in an awkward transition period for a long time, because I think that for a lot of guys flying construction or flying ag, you know, it's kind of in their DNA. And uh, so I understand what you're saying. But I still yeah. find that that's going to be a hurdle. Um, but I, I think that you uh, explain it well. And I'm definitely curious uh, on the feedback that we'll get here on the podcast. So if you're listening, reach out to us. Tell us what you think about uh, kind of this future of helicopters. Because I think it's going to be uh, it, it's, things are going to start looking very different. So I'm definitely curious to see. Uh, innovation is is how we move society forward, and I love the idea of safety. Uh, I've been in the helicopter business for 
call it since I was 18, 19 years old. I'm 35 now. I've lost a lot of friends flying uh, flying helicopters. Uh, I think this past year alone, I've had two friends that that had lost lives in helicopters. To me, that matters. Um, to me, that's a big deal. And so I think if there's things that we can do within the industry that help prevent accidents, help prevent fatalities, uh, then I'm all for at least hearing it out and seeing what direction that goes. Uh, so uh, it's, you know, again, I think it's a polarizing topic and it's going to be, but uh, I think it's ultimately pretty cool of what you guys are doing. So when I watched the video of your, of your first product, viable product, this R22 that's been modified, what, what am I seeing? Is there someone flying the aircraft from the ground? Is it fully autonomous? What's going on? Uh, kind of talk me through all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. So there's a, there's a pilot, uh, at Joao, you know, the same, the same, um, guy who was sitting next to me, uh, when we had, um, when we had that near miss, um, is in the seat. Um, and, uh, uh, and he can, he can take over and, and fly stick and rudder anytime he wants. Um, but a lot of what we're doing is trying to see, Hey, how much can we do, um, with the pilot hands off. And, uh, we do some of those are for safety reasons, just because, um, you're never going to guarantee that you'll always have, uh, a direct radio link between, uh, the, 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 the remote pilot and the aircraft. Right. So in those scenarios, the aircraft needs to really be able to make its own decisions, um, and, um, and land safely. Uh, it's a bit like the Garmin auto land system, uh, but for rotorcraft, um, and then the rest of the time, it's it's all about reducing the pilot workload. You know, it's about, um, you know, how can how can the human, who I don't think it's going to go away, um, how can the human focus on the things that only the human can do, um, and let the computer do the things that the computer's good at and can do consistently, right? Um, and the certainly also in the flight testing environment right there's obviously you know a lot of hey we've got this new software uh these new flight control laws that we're testing um so you know there's going to be a lot of um kind of back and forth uh with the with the pilot in in command there um uh you know to take over um if the software is doing um anything that we don't expect it to do um, but so one of, oh uh, sorry very, just very quickly i think one thing to note is um of we do things uh, reasonably differently from any of the other people developing autonomy is that yeah consistent with my conviction that you know in operation we don't need to put the human in the dangerous hot seat um that even in flight testing um we don't need to put the human in the seat so you know the videos that you saw are not an exception um the videos that you saw are how we do these things week in week out which is with with no pilot on board yeah, it's pretty wild, you know, and, and yeah, talking about like watching the auto rotation video of that company, um, I was kind of thinking in my head, like, man, I don't want to be on that helicopter <laughs> right now. Like, testing, yeah, yeah, they, they, they put two people, they, they put two yeah. people in there. I, I'm surprised they didn't have some passengers in the back as well. Huh? <laughs> and I'm not not throwing shade, uh, but that was kind yeah. of my first thought of like, man, I, you know, I don't really want to be the test pilot of that. Um, even when we were at Beta Air, uh, very cool machine, uh, we were there with the test pilot 
met with him for a few hours. Great guy. But again, in my head, I'm thinking like, man, I, <laughs> I don't know if I want his job necessarily. <laughs> uh, because, you know, it's, there's still a lot of uh, unknowns, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it was, it's cool to see your video. So like break it down, I guess, say, let's move to the future a little bit. Uh, let's move forward, say 10 years from now. Let's say that I'm an ag operator. Is the hope that say an ag operator can have, have a tool like an R44 platform. They, they go into an app or they go into a software they map out the field, press the green button, and the helicopter does the mission. Uh, is it, or are they going to have to constantly kind of be able to talk to the computer to tell the computer what to do, or is it how user friendly is this going to be for future operators? Yeah, um, uh, I think the the, the short answer is. Uh, uh, very friendly. Um, yeah, of course I'd say that. Uh, I don't want to call caveat. We're saying um, we're working um, with operators um, to to build our systems or integrate our systems in a way that um, works in the real world, not just kind of in an engineer's imagination, right? I, I'm a very kind of empirical, experiment-based person. Um, we um, we're lining up, um, you know, some. Uh, you know, uh, proof of concept operations uh, with some ag operators. We're always looking um, for uh, for more. So, if you're an ag operator, um, and especially if you like Robinsons, or even if you don't, um, uh, you should you know reach out to us, um, and we'd love to work with you to integrate um, our tool into into your operation. Um, but kind of back to the what? Well, how is this going to work? Um, so the the core. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. While he's doing what he's doing, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors at Celicopter. This podcast is brought to you by Celicopter. Tired of listings that go nowhere? Exhausted by tire kickers who waste your time? Don't sell your helicopter alone. Celicopter handles the entire process from start to finish. So, if your helicopter is sat too long waiting for a buyer, contact the team at Celicopter today for your complimentary market valuation. Call 1-855-CELICOPTER, 1-855-735-5226, or email sales at Celicopter.com. Celicopter. List it. Sell it. Done. All right. Well, thank you to our sponsors at Celicopter. And uh, again, we are just chatting with Hector. We were talking about uh, specifically kind of an ag application. And I, I'm a supporter of that. I Ag to me is a very, uh, it's, a, it's kind of a wild, wild west of our industry. And there's a lot of accidents every single year. Uh, in fact, on one of my podcast episodes, I forget the number, but my buddy Jackie Sanders, very accomplished pilot, flew in the military just a ton of civilian time, ton of ag time, uh, talks about his experience of hitting a wire, uh, specifically what he kind of uh, accounts for pilot fatigue. And, you know, he's a great, he's a guy that I would say is a fantastic pilot. Very surprised that he had the accident, but not surprised to hear that he's human, right? And 13 hours a day for a couple months straight can really wear at a guy uh, or a gal. So, 
So again, what kind of what can what can the end user expect from from operating your system in their aircraft? Yeah, um, great. I just want to echo the, the kind of wire strike component. I think, and and the I guess pilot fatigue is a factor there. I think someone told me that seventy percent of wire strikes um, accidents actually occur on uh, wires that the pilots knew about. Um, and yeah, which means really it's kind of, it's a noisy cockpit cockpit environment or there's oral fatigue. And it's just very hard to hold all of those things in your attention, in your head. Um, yeah, most to, of the pilots yeah. I've talked to, Jackie being one of them, knew about the wire. They, they ah, knew it was yeah. there. They've been flying over the wire all day long and they hit it. So, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's something, it just takes, takes one little lapse in, in uh, critical thinking and you can have a really bad day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but back to the, you know, the, the, the conops, you know, the concept of operations um, is that the, um, the operator um, or kind of, for example, you know, it's usually a multi-person operation, right? You've got the, you know, the truck driver or the, or the, or the, re, um, uh, the, the, the spray truck kind of operator, you know, who will refuel um, and, um, and fill up on the spray, uh, whatever you're spraying. Um, and they'll interact kind of with the aircraft, um, with the pilot, uh, with a human on a radio. Um, actually, that human, that human um, will be, you know, a pilot employed by Rota. Um, you know, we'll, we'll be providing all the piloting services and that human will be, you know, actually you know, operating um, a very automated tool, which is which is the aircraft, right? The the R five fifty X. That's the that's the uh, uncrewed helicopter that we're building based on the Robinson R forty four, and it, it can carry um, five hundred and fifty kilograms uh, useful, of useful load around twelve hundred pounds. Yeah, you know, which is why hence the the five fifty and and the X just stands for experimental category. Um, and so, um, yeah, there, there won't be a human physically there, but there'll be a pilot that they can interact with. You know, and miss these operations, you're not exactly, you know, shaking hands with the guy while he's flying, uh, or he or she is flying anyway. The, um, uh, at least you know, the operations that I've seen um, uh, do a lot of hot loading, right? And the communication with the, with the pilot is over radio anyway. So um, the plan is to, to maintain that same interface so that, yeah, there's still a human. Um, I hope. I hope actually the operators that we work with, and certainly the ones we work, you know, uh, we're working with today. Um, you know, we we get close with them, we become friends with them, and you know, our pilots will be friends with with the the guys who operate. And I I see that will be true. Um, even even once this becomes a commercial operation, right? Um, and one of the things that we're doing is that we're uh, moving the burden of having to employ pilots. Um, from the operators to us, um, it has, you know, lots of advantages for the operators in that, you know, they won't have to worry about pilot retention. They won't have to worry about, Hey, what do these folks do in the winter time? You know, they won't have to, I think it's a real pain point. And I think we think that because we can put pilots, um, to work more productively, um, because, you know, they won't need to travel around, you know, they'll be, they'll be tuning in via the internet, um, to the aircraft. Um, and you know, to the to the to the operation, 
um, that we can offer um, these services at a much more affordable rate um, than if you're to employ pilots yourself, right? Um, you know, and for um, for the kind of owner operators, you know, if you're a pilot owner and you own your own aircraft, um, I think hopefully it will free you up to to do to run a great business, right? To run a great profitable business, um, and you know, you know, we'll share essentially a lot of the overheads um, for operators. Yeah, so I guess right now, if I'm understanding correctly, the idea is that you, as a company, will have the pilots, right? And right. they'll be operating the aircraft. You could have an aircraft in Iowa spraying corn, but the pilot could be in New York or New Hampshire or yeah, Oregon. Yeah. It- yeah, you got it. You got it, Ozzy. Yeah, that's exactly. Um, so that's in the in the near run, kind of the operations that we're do- doing today. Um, have a pilot also kind of in the field, right? But the certainly the the way that we're developing the technology and the product is, you know, so that we don't necessarily need to have a pilot that goes out to every single field that you're spraying. Um, uh, and, yeah, the helicopter, um, which comes, you know, with a trailer um, and the communications equipment um, will be remotely pilotable um, from quite a distance. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty crazy, you know, and I guess we've seen that on the, you know, more of the airplane, you know, stuck wing side, you know, where especially military applications where these these UAVs are, you know, um, you know, in the war zone and in the actual pilot operator is in Washington state, you know, um, so, you know, certainly interesting. Um, yeah, no, that's crazy. That's uh I'm very curious to continue to watch you guys, you know, grow and expand and, and, and integrate this technology. What, what does the future look like for you? What is, what is your five-year vision? What's your 10-year vision? Where is Rotor today versus where Rotor is going to be in, in the future? Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, actually getting the technology into the field, you know, uh, with the R550X, I think um, it's, you know, is, is our biggest focus for the next couple of years. Um, we're working to get these systems certified. Um, you know, the R550X is an experimental category um, system, um, which means, you know, it won't be able to carry people and it won't be able to operate over populated areas, right? And uh, we think it can be a really valuable tool, even with those limitations. But obviously we think it can be even more powerful um, you know, uh, uh, without, and I think, um, we talked a little bit, we touched a little bit about the kind of, uh, what's the, the buzzword, I guess now is this advanced air mobility vision. Um, and I, I think I, I actually share that vision and I, I think helicopters, um, should be part of that future. Uh, I think, um, we need to have good answers for noise. We need to have good answers for sustainability. Um, uh, which, you know, at Rota, we want to partner with folks who are working on those areas. Um, and we obviously think autonomy is a big part of the story. Um, and so it's, I think, you know, you asked five years, right? I think in five years, we can start building a lot of these things, but this is really about a 50 year story for the helicopter industry and helicopter world. Um, and I think it, I, I find it very compelling at least. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's like like I said at the beginning of the podcast, we've had very little innovation on the helicopter side, and you know, advanced advancements in avionics and things like that. But by and large, very little change, kind of in the status quo. And so this definitely seems to be kind of the beginning disruption. And I don't mean disruption in a negative connotation. Uh, you know, just just as many have disrupted other industries in the past for the you know for for the betters, kind of seems like the trajectory that you're at. So, as far as like pilots that want to potentially be employed at Rotor, they're listening to the podcast right now. In fact, maybe what does that look like? When are you guys? Just uh, are you starting to look at hiring pilots to to you know fly these vehicles, uh, these helicopters remotely, or, or is that still kind of in the early stage right now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, reach out, um, you know, careers at roger.ai. Um, we uh, we have uh, more than a handful, maybe five or six pilots on staff today. You know, some of them are also uh, mechanics. Um, and we actually have a, um, uh, we give all of our employees, um, 20 hours of free flight training a year. Um, I, I actually, um, borrowed that from, uh, beta, um, yeah. who do, I think something similar. <laughs> I don't know if it's 20 hours, but, um, yeah, I think it's, um, it's one, a huge perk, uh, but two helps our engineers understand the systems that they're building and build things that are more relevant, um, to real world operations. Um, yeah, that was so, that was a cool part of going to beta. You know, you go into their hangar and and you see the the vehicle, the EV tall that they're building, but you're almost more distracted by their training fleet. You know, I think I think the guy told me at that time they had like 17 CFIs on staff. You know, uh, to train you know pilots um, in airplanes and on the helicopter side. So I think it's really cool. Um, you know, taking that page out of that playbook, I think is a cool incentive. And, and I think you're right. I think there's a productivity from the guys and the gals on your staff that not, aren't necessarily pilots. They might not get it, you know, until they are able to immerse in that. So that's uh, really cool. You said you're at 40 employees now. Uh, yeah, I think uh, maybe just over now. You know, uh, we're, yeah, we're, we're hiring, we're growing the team. Um, and you know, if you're excited about what we're doing, you should reach out. Whether you think you know you want to you know you want to be uh, part of uh, part of the team, or whether you want to work with us or partner with us, um, we're we're very collaborative, um, and we have a huge amount to learn. Actually, how's it? You know, I think um, I have probably more to learn from you um, in the industry, right? Than 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 we have to give. I think, um, and only by talking to the people whose um, whose livelihoods um, we're purporting to improve, right? Um, will we really be able to build the right tools uh, for the job? And uh, I think you're right, right? That the solution is not going to be no change, right? Um, I think everyone understands this. So help us make sure that like what we do is the right change, right? If you have a vision for the future, um, talk to us about it. And you know, we're still early enough that you get to shape what we do and shape our vision for the future. Yeah, it's cool. And it's good to have that openness and that collaborative uh, nature. You know, you know what you know, and you don't know what you don't know. And yeah, exactly. I think that there's probably a lot of uh, 
a lot of individuals within this industry that probably have insight and things. So again, if you're interested, you want to talk with Hector, you want to talk with Hector and his team, you can check them out again. What's the website, Hector? Uh, it's www.rotor.ai. So R-O-T-O-R dot A-I. And again, like I said in the beginning of the episode, in the description, I'll, I'm going to put a link to your recent video. Uh, can, again, congratulations, because it kind of seems like, like you said, you had kind of a low profile getting to this point of prototype. And now this is kind of your introduction to the world of who you guys are, what you guys are doing. So I'm, I'm sure... Uh, I'm sure it's been kind of crazy. Has it been a little bit of a different scene uh, once since you made that press release last week or earlier this week, I should say? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm getting calls um, every day. Um, uh, this, this is actually my first podcast, uh, so nice. Um, probably, probably not my last, but you know, I, I think couldn't couldn't um, couldn't ask for a better audience and a better host. No, well, hey, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, thank you guys for reaching out. I know that you guys do a lot of work with Robinson Helicopters. And so I think this interview was kind of spawned from uh, my conversation with David recently at Robinson and what they were doing with the R66 and the 44 and the 22 with the new tail design. So that was really cool. And, and I believe that kind of spurred this relationship. So I love that. That's um, If you're listening right now and and you're finding enjoyment in the podcast and you think uh, that you have something to talk about, let's talk about it. Love, uh, love learning about new things, love talking with new people within the industry. That's the beauty of this podcast. Hector, thank you so much for joining. I'm very excited to uh, continue to follow you and follow the progress. It's no small feat. Uh, running any business is challenging, uh, let alone, uh, a business in which you guys are doing some pretty incredible things uh, and things that are, you know, very technologically advanced kind of uh, compared to, again, the status quo of what we've seen in the industry. So kudos to you and congratulations on that. Uh, I think we'll probably have to have you back on the podcast, uh, you know, in, in a year, kind of as a catch up, see where you're at, see what's new. Because uh, again, I think like we saw in drones, I think I think the future is going to start moving pretty quickly. And yeah, it's a little bit scary, uh, but there's also some excitement. So I'm definitely excited to see where, where you guys go and, and how things keep shaping up. Uh, again, to our listeners, thank you for listening. Thank you to our sponsors at Bell and Celicopter. And of course, to MHM and the Vertical uh, Helicast platform. You guys help provide, uh, help give me the voice. So I really appreciate uh, appreciate that. Hector? Thanks again for coming on. Any any parting words for our uh, listeners? Um, well, thanks for listening. You've got this far, and uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, um, you know, uh, demystified. Right? We talked at the beginning that you know uh, the future is not as mysterious as people think, and I think uh, my message of hey, you can be part of the future. Um, you know, I think you know, I I, I think that's what I want to leave everyone with in that. Um, what we're doing is to um, to enfranchise, I guess, um, the helicopter industry today and make sure it has a place in the future. Um, and um, you know, uh, if you if you share that sort of that sort of vision, um, then yeah, reach out and and work with us. All right, thanks, Hector, and to our listeners, thank you. See you all later.